Hello, the internet, and welcome to season 204, episode 4 of Your Daily Zeitgeist, a production of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness. It's Thursday, October 7th, 2021. It is National Chocolate-Covered Pretzel Day, an important day for me and mine because I I do love a good chocolate-covered pretzel, as long as they're salted. You know, yeah. I need I need that salty in there. What's Sometimes your favorite one you'll buy at the store? I mean, flips. I'm, I'm here for oh, anything. Oh, I knew you, you were know? Go flipping, flipping out. Yeah, I, I, I'll go for anything. I like bespoke too. You know, like sometimes you see the ones oh, yeah. like you go to a boardwalk and it'll be like the pretzel rod, like just mm. a straight shooter. Where they, they have only that half all... of it to prove yeah. to you this is actually <laughs> a pretzel. Don't. Right, right. <laughs> Not a carbon rod or something. Yeah. <laughs> My name is Jack O'Brien, aka the best part of vaccine up no swimmers in your cum uh, that's courtesy of chris mackling a new take on the fact that the vaccine you know makes you infertile uh the fact i'm gonna put that in quotes because uh i'm still doing my own research on that but you know chris is pointing out here that that could just be birth control that yeah. could be something that you see as a a positive anyways i'm thrilled to be joined as always by my co-host Mr. Miles Gray! What's with these homies soaking in girls? Why don't they want a thrust? How did they ever do it with guys when they just couldn't bust? But you know I'll jump so that you could hump. I won't close my eyes. Okay, shout out to, oh, hi, Morb, for that wonderful Buddy Holly Weezer LDS soaking jump pump crossroads, a.k.a. Yeah, Thank yeah. you. Love beautiful, that song. Beautiful work. I mean, soaking's a thing that's been around uh, for a while, but I feel like it's just re-entered the zeitgeist in a way. Soaking's here to stay. I'm calling yeah, it. Yeah, I mean... For someone who, like a close friend of mine in high school, he went to, uh, he played football at Utah. I remember the first fucking break back, he was like, yo, oh, really? they'd be floating and shit. I'm like, what is this? So in a yes. way, it feels like that moment when Twitter's like, Ray J's Brandy's brother? And I'm like, <laughs> y'all right. just heard We've about been this? been on now? the soaking shit. <laughs> All right, Miles. Well, we are thrilled to be joined once again in our third seat by a brilliant comedian, writer, and actor. Uh, who's written for and appeared on Comedy Central and ABC. Ever heard of him? Yep. His stand-up albums, The Blake Album, Stuffed Boy, and Live from the Pandemic, debuted at number one on iTunes and Amazon. Oh. And his album, 12 Years of Voicemails, from Todd Glass Ooh. to Blake Wexler, charted on Billboard. Ever heard of it? Ooh. Yep. Ooh. Please welcome the hilarious, the chaotic, Blake Wexler! Never heard of him. <laughs> it's pipeline time. This is Blake Wexler, a.k.a. the Wexon Valdez, a.k.a. the oil spill thrill, a.k.a. the barge in charge, a.k.a. the fossil fuel ghoul, a.k.a. smelly Ellie. No need for hysteria. It's the affected area. Thank you so much for having me. It's I missed you guys. I, I do all joking aside, and none of those were jokes, but now uh, I do want to be serious. It's great to okay. see you guys. I miss you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, the feeling is mutual, man. I'm, I'm, it's funny. I'm like, where you been? You're like, I'm around. I'm like, then I'm fucking up because <laughs> yeah, I wanted to. I've been needing to hear from Blake. It goes both ways. It goes both ways. So I can reach out as well. Yeah, I do love that Blake went timely with his AKAs with the yeah. with the oil spill, and mm-hmm. we're still stuck on soaking and uh, <laughs> yeah. other cum cum based yeah. stories was, from weeks ago, months ago. I was going to write on the Discord where everyone, like a lot of people, submit AKAs. I'm like, y'all, I think we're preach- we're approaching peak cum, right? And mm-hmm. we may need to we may we may need to switch gears. So AKA writers, I challenge you for next week. We'll just we'll get a few more days into this. <laughs> I was perfect. What's not not yet? <laughs> Switching yeah. it up. Yeah. What is oil though, if not the Earth's cum? So well, I think we you. are honestly. Mm. And I who said that? Was that R. L. Stein? Yes, I think <laughs> so. Yeah. I that's right. Yeah, yeah. R. L. Stein. The <laughs> first right? first sentence in "Say Cheese and Die." I think in yes. Goosebumps. Yeah, that's I right. thought it was you know he was dedicating the book to someone, but no, it was actually just sage sage yes. wisdom. Could you imagine just like those pages that are just dedicated, just a serious book in the first one? You look, you're like, 
isn't oil just the earth's come? And you're like, what, <laughs> like, gee, what age group is this book for? <laughs> Who is this for? <laughs> this reprint of Infinite Jest is something else. Infinite Jizz. I'm sorry. What? I no, dropped something. Oh, here he is. <laughs> yes. We're back. We're chaos back. boy is yeah. in town. Hey, young Chaos. <laughs> young Chaos. Uh, Lil Chaos. Blake, yeah. uh, you are coming to us from the streets of Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. I am. Nah, I am. nah, nah, nah. <laughs> what, what's good, man? What, what's new in Philly? Philly's great. We had trash pickup day today, which was one of my favorite <laughs> days of the week. You know, you clean that. the slate, mm-hmm. start over, pile that stuff up again. Found a dead squirrel on the uh, windshield of my car, which I oh. took personally. And oh, yeah. yeah. So it had that note your on it that said, fuck you, Blake, you're next. <laughs> it said, you did this to me, Blake Wexler. And then my the first four numbers of my social, where generally it's <laughs> the first three or the Just last you four. Know. Yeah. No, yeah. But, yeah. They did first four this time. But yeah, no, uh, dead vermins and trash day notwithstanding. Philadelphia is great. Yeah. yeah. Be- you've painted a beautiful picture. Yeah, I really yeah. thank you. It's I'm a words myth, and I think being a words myth, I like drawing pictures with my words. So yeah, yeah, well, wonderful. Do you y'all do you ever do that thing where you look at your like when you take your cans out? You're like, man, I can get a week, another week out. My of this. cans, they're called breast smiles. Jesus <laughs> Christ! <laughs> hey, you're, you're cans, bro. Showing garbage the in here for the for the garbage pickup. <laughs> I did that the other day. I'm like, I'm so. I'm such a dedicated bringer out of my garbage cans. Mm-hmm. Like there'll be one can in it and I'll be like, oh, they should probably take this. But part of me is like, that seems like a waste of everyone's energy. If like, mm-hmm. like sometimes if it's like less than a quarter full but on trash day, I'm like, ah, I'll, I'll save them. I'll save it. Wow. Yeah, I'll do the same thing where it's like, well, if I just hold on to this for another week, cans don't generally smell because the smell is my worst fear. But in just period <laughs> the smell of my trash is my worst fear but no you're right with, <laughs> across with all the spectrum of your fears of course, yeah yeah uh, brain aneurysm earthquake all those uh yeah. distant shark you know, bite distant number to the smell of my cans but yeah no can wise uh yeah i mean if it just piles up for another week wait three weeks you know what i wow. mean yeah depends on the heat you know because i've Thank i've you. chanced it before and i nearly like yeah. ended my own life with like a bunch <laughs> of old shrimp that was in a garbage. Oh can. no, yeah. Miles! Like in the in the heat, not I in front of Blake, Miles. Not in no. front of yeah, Lake. No, I'm sorry. Guys, what did we talk about? <laughs> I'm sorry, my nose hairs like fell out of my nose. Like I remember, it's like <sighs> the ammonia was like like those. <laughs> there's some dead bodies we need to resurrect to bring them by this can. <laughs> that's, that's some crust. Yeah, no crustacean talk for okay. now on. Yeah, <laughs> as a <laughs> friend, you. if you guys could be friends and not talk about or mollusks. Yes. Okay. Yep. All right. Blake, we're going to get to know you a little bit better uh, in a moment. First, a couple of things we're talking about. We're going to talk about Mark Zuckerberg, the spoke Zuck. He (laughs) spoke on, you know, all the all these, you know, wild accusations being thrown (laughs) at Facebook. And he doesn't even like it's like they're it's like these people are on like a different planet, man. Like, what what are they even talking about? Do you guys agree with this? Really? It's a shame. They say that about the great work we do? Come on. We're going to talk about the January 6th witnesses who are seem like they're hoping to run out the clock on having to testify in front of the congressional January 6th committee because they have nothing to hide. So mm-hmm. they're just going to Go ignore hideouts. their subpoenas. Uh, we're going to talk about Havana syndrome. There's a new, newly unclassified report that We'll talk about the implications of that. We will talk about the war on Christmas, which the libs have already started. (sighs) And we will talk about why the Zodiac Killer has not been identified, finally. Yeah, what the fuck is that? Uh Uh-oh. I just saw that on Twitter. There's so many Zodiac Killer jokes. Yeah. You'll have to catch me up on these things. I wish I gave a fuck about the Zodiac Killer. (laughs) <laughs> that's one of those things where people just wrote a million zodiac jokes and then they didn't get the like get them all out and they've just been right. holding on to them and then anything tangentially related to the zodiac killer they get to just unleash those like you know jokes right. they've had on ice for the past however uh, many years it is like my OJ good friend too. drafts yes <laughs> it that's as good of an explanation is anything I've been able to come up with for why that story has like blown up because mm-hmm. it's the the claim to like they've solved it. They have these are the people who we would trust to solve it is I 
non-existent. I'm, I'm totally confused by how this has become a thing. Uh, but before we get to any of that shit, Blake, we do like to ask our guests, what is something from your search history? I will tell you that. I just wanted to give Miles props, God forbid, real quick, where he made me laugh so hard in the intro when you referred to uh, a pretzel rod as a straight shooter. It's such a weird, <laughs> it's such a weird yeah. thing to say. I lost it. Anyway, it really was, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm not really, my vocabulary is, has been altered by many drugs. So I, I, I arrive at different ways to describe things, uh, you know, than most people. <laughs> Jack just took it as just, Oh, that's a completely normal way to refer. Just a a straight yeah, shooter. Those straight shooters. <laughs> yeah, the straight shooters. You got the yeah. curvy ones. Curvy. Yeah. Yeah, straight exactly. shooters. Uh, nuggies. There's all kinds <laughs> of pretzels. The pretzel taxonomy. I get. I get. It's a strange world. Okay, my <laughs> yeah. search history. Uh, was that your question? Was that your question yeah. that you asked uh, six seconds ago that I don't remember? <laughs> I searched Richard Gear Bill Clinton. Because I was watching that impeachment show and we were like two and a half episodes in, my fiance and I, and I turned to her and I said, oh, I can't believe they got Dick Gear. And she just kind of ignored it because she thought it was like a dick joke. And then after the episode, I searched like, oh, wow, like, I wonder, you know, is, is he like how many episodes? Like, has he ever done something like this? And then it wasn't Richard Gear; It's Clive Owen who was playing it. And for three whole episodes of the show, I thought Bill Clinton was played by Richard Gere and had not a clue in hell. Like if you, if I was to bet the safety of my loved ones and my dog, I'd be like, yeah, it's, it's Richard Gere clearly, but no, it's not Richard Gere. It's, uh, it's Clive Owen. Gear. I mean, that's like how Gere. you went like real familiar too. You're like, oh, Dick yeah. Gere, huh? Right. Right. Well, you know, you got to keep it interesting around the yeah. house. <laughs> Were you able to find any other people making the same mistake as you? Like that that's always important when I make a mistake is to be like, well, a lot of other people. Like this has to be a trending search term. Right. I will just uh, you know, say that I can't find anybody else uh making this mistake. Uh, Blake, I was too but... busy looking up brain bleeds and uh, you know, other serious <laughs> medical issues to look right. into the rest of it. But yeah, no, that is a good way uh, what do you have one like that, Jack? Where one time like, you thought this, and then a bunch of people like I haven't seen anyone think Richard Gere for this. I don't even know if the guy's still alive. Nobody knows. <laughs> Nobody well, knows. It's actually impossible no, to know. Yeah, There's no exactly. way to know for sure. How could you verify something like that? Mm -mm, no, yeah, no, like I have a couple of these every day. My latest <laughs> was was just coming to the conclusion that everything is fruits. There there are no vegetables, and yeah. people were quick to uh, point out a bunch of bunch of trends to of that nature. That so what I do, uh, Blake, is I come on this show and just talk about how I'm wrong about everything, and then people are like, "Yeah, me too." Nice. And yeah, that's how I. <laughs> yeah, this is all a ruse just for Jack to feel better about. Like, <laughs> I'm like, what are we talking about this other thing, Jack? He's like, Nah, I can't believe I didn't know about this. Anyone else? Anyone else? Uh, yeah, I, I think the closest I did was like, I didn't realize it was Gillian Anderson in The Crown playing Margaret Thatcher the whole time. Interesting. And I didn't even, it didn't even register. It was one of those things. I just, I accepted the performance as it was and it was so strong. I was just, I don't, I didn't even question who the performer was. I was like, this is Margaret Thatcher in The Crown. Margaret Thatcher <laughs> as herself in yeah. The Crown. <laughs> yeah, and I just, I don't know why I just, it never occurred to me. Normally, I'd be like, "Wow, this this performance is great." I think on some, it was it was so disarming. I went further, and I was like, "This is a reality show." I think yeah. these are like this is very verite stuff. It's Margaret Thatcher was so weird that you think it's a bad performance before right. you like f look up a clip of her. And you're like, "Oh, that's literally that's literally what she was like. Like yeah. that's how she spoke in a very very affected way." Blake, what is something you think is overrated? Subtitles when you're watching television shows. If you're watching the show in your language, like in the language that you speak, like if you're watching a show in another language, you don't understand, by all means, put subtitles on it. It's just like, <laughs> I don't, I can context clues this probably and understand. <laughs> you're like, hey, I got to learn the hard way. Yeah, I gotta, it's immersive. Yeah. yeah. But no, I, I know a lot of people, and I do this myself, where, you know, either you don't want the volume on too loud, because volume on things, like, swings in such an insane way when you're watching something where it could be people whispering and then there's like a war scene and it's so fucking loud you got to like turn the volume down real quick so you don't get evicted but so anyway that was a tangent that um i don't know how i got there but my point is is that i think 
you know, I know sometimes we'll do subtitles if it's like like an English show, for instance, so you don't like you can't pick up on yeah. accents very well. Your peaky but peaky is blinder. Yes. Peaky, the blinders peaky. And yes. but in general, uh, I think like a lot of people leave it on. Like I know a lot of people leave subtitles on. Take it off. You know, take mm. it off. Enjoy the show. Take in the visuals. Don't read the show if you don't have to. Mm-hmm. Right. I see. I yeah. like it. I like it on. Mm. Well, sometimes. fuck me. <laughs> no. Well, you know, that's what I said. You know, I guess that I'm glad you came to fully implode uh, your whole appearance here on the show. So we'll never have well, to Well, it's going to happen again. eventually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. But what better way than this? But for me, it's mostly because, like, I'll be high and sometimes my comprehension oh. is better if I'm reading dialogue at certain times. Or if, yeah, I think that's usually it. Or, like, in a case like Deadwood, like, mm-hmm. I had to keep the subtitles on because everything was so fast-paced and colloquial i did not know what was going on that's a good point yeah there are there are exceptions that's a very good point there are exceptions thank you thank you so much for giving me granting me a religious exemption for that of any time yeah sometimes it, it will spoil what you're watching like the the reveal yes. will come on come in the subtitles before it's actually spoken yeah like when i was watching old yeller i saw bang and brackets before they shot the dog <laughs> and no! i i like i was like fuck fuck it was just a, a, a double whammy yeah no that's a good it'll it. also spoil comedy too like in a yeah like, yes as, well yeah like a joke real quick where it's like ah, uh, but you'll start laughing before you know if it's a really good right. show and then they do the joke it's it's a very odd way to digest something but yeah it's, yeah i was i recently ruined like a really funny punchline in the other two for having the subtitles on yeah and i was like no probably would have hit harder (laughs) if i saw that performance rather than like as if i was like reading a script and yeah to that point i definitely agree with comedies the timing of the subtitles does not honor the timing of the delivery so sometimes the jokes are they land a bit better when you hear them delivered exactly i i read them out loud while i'm watching it to (laughs) you know let my wife know that i i predicted it you know (laughs) Like I knew, we'll do say that, that sometimes too, just to mess with the other. Or, but it'll be a dead scene, you know, like a like a dead scene where it's not like super high impact. And just reading it out, it's just the most annoying thing that you can do, <laughs> you can possibly you know? do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whispering it like really loud. No, I've never loved you. I can't or mouthing it. it. Yeah, <laughs> we're all mouthing it right now. By the yeah. way, we don't. Yeah, it's a podcast, but mm-hmm. they've been robbed of that. Yes. Squid Game, I've uh, I've watched now half of the third episode. This is how I watch TV. Yep. And, you know, with kids is you watch until they wake up or, you know, <laughs> you pass out sitting up. But it's you really can't fuck with your phone all that much while you're watching a show that does require subtitles to understand. Good point, oh, no. Like. Yeah, you got to respect the material. Because mm. that, that, that second episode... And I don't know if you I don't I'm not going to try and spoil anything, but there was like a moment where there's this other character and I was like, I looked down for a second and missed all the context around this character. And I'm like, what the f- wait, where'd this guy come from? And I was like, I had to stop and go back like five minutes to realize. So, yeah, Can I tell you something. I've never told anyone at the the first time I saw No Country for Old Men in the theater. I just spaced out at the end when he was doing that speech, and then it like ended, and everyone was like, "Wow!" And I'm like, I I, I had no clue. Like, you what didn't happened. read it. No idea. Like, four years, like for for maybe four or five years. Everyone would talk about how great it was. I'm like, yeah, it was great, but I didn't know why it was great. Oh, you know? the Tommy but, Lee Jones speech. Yeah, the Tommy Lee Jones speech yeah, yeah. could did not hear a word of it. Like was right. staring, but did not hear a single word of it. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> what is something you think is underrated? Underrated, owning as much underwear as possible. Like, mm. and because whenever I do laundry, it is almost always because I run out of like clean boxer briefs. I don't know why I felt a need to clarify no, what type on. of underwear, but yeah, boxer briefs and. Okay. And um, what brand? Lucky brand, actually. Wow. Yeah. When wow. you find a brand that works, I think, you know, for me, I, I stick with it. And hopefully I'll, you know, get wait, a couple. Wait, fr- not to make this a Lucky brand commercial. What? Uh, why are you so uh, brand loyal? What happened? It's so, I mean, if we, I have. Good uh, leg hole openings? A thick, a- <laughs> it is actually the smallest fly opening out of all. It's <laughs> 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 almost jokey. Yeah, yeah, I find it. Yeah, it's it's comforting in that way. It makes I can't me even get like a dime a in there. Yeah, 
<laughs> uh, but th- to be honest, it is like I have like a thicker ass, and they're good for a oh. thick ass. So okay, yeah. Shout oh, out without to them. sometimes you'll go. I'm I'm in a similar situation. I'm yes. thick thighed, mm. and sometimes my the waist won't be the same as what the leg holes need to be, mm-hmm. and I'm like. You'll either be like this fucking super loose waist, but the leg holes fit right. Or you're wearing something that your waist fits right, but you are like actively cutting off like cert- like your femoral <laughs> artery is being constricted by the underwear. So I feel yeah. that. Okay, I'm gonna look into that. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Try it. Yeah. 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 I have four pairs of uh, boxer briefs, oh. twins, that are... Oh, yeah. uh, of all underwear, just four pairs. <laughs> so I have four that are like recent and, you know, I really like those and we'll do laundry to get those and then i have like 20 pairs that are like disintegrating yeah, yeah. that i don't like what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> totally i'm i'm i need to change those out but i i've is not that okay done. Yeah. quick question for the this triumvirate we have here is it is this due to watching your father wear disintegrated underwear? Because my dad, I one of my earliest memories has been like, I think my dad is in is in a is in a bad place because his underwear is disintegrating. And I remember early on, my mom was like, "You need new underwear," but he was like, "No, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine." And I'm like looking like the second you said that, I was having a moment where I looked at a pair of under and I go, "Nah, I I, I get a few more out of these." Yeah, <laughs> and I don't know why, but I don't know if that's learned or not. No, it wasn't learned for me. My oh, dad wow. was on top of his underwear game. And wow. um, just, uh, you know, that apple fell real far from the tree. To... <laughs> yeah. I yeah. think it is also the fact that you, no one sees it really. You know what I mean? Right. Where if you had a tattered shirt, you would people would be like, this guy's like is yeah in a bad place. They're not doing well, you know, right. but like tattered underwear. It's like, well, you know, it, it's still not necessarily uncomfortable, but. You know, recently I was like, you know what? You have worked hard enough for a long enough that you don't need to have like this B team of like rags. You know right. what I mean? Like in the thing. So, but, but Jack, I can totally relate to what you're saying as well. Yeah. Mm. It's well, just a thing like I don't think about, I guess. I just until... rock the vaporware sometimes, you know, just Ooh. falling apart, threadbare, barely yeah. hanging onto the waistband. And then sometimes I've like rage ripped them up while they're on. Wow. Yeah, it's just like it's almost out of like, anger at the. Yeah, it's like being in one of those like porcelain smashing rooms, ripping wow. off your own underwear, like just being like, like from. <laughs> I've the done that with a t-shirt before. That is yeah. actually very satisfying. It's very childish on a t-shirt. Yeah, yeah. But like sh- shredding your underwear off too. Shredding I don't know, your un- Wait, do you have your pants on while you're shredding it off? So you just like pull it. It's a trick. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Wow. That's how I used to do on most of my first dates. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> the. The yeah. closer, he called that. That's that's how he he closed the deal. He'd tear right. off his own underwear. <laughs> and I mean, pants. you knew very quickly that someone would be like so put off by it that it ended there, or they would lie about being put off and say that they had an appointment that they forgot they had. So. <laughs> and those were the only <laughs> the two scenarios. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I have an appointment. Or someone's like, oh my God, no. What <laughs> was that? <laughs> All right. Let's take a quick break and we'll be back to talk about the news. And we're back. And Mark Zuckerberg, you know, there's been a lot of negative talk, negative Nellies out here in the news talking, talking trash about Facebook. And Mark Zuckerberg apparently just found out about it. And he's like, huh? How is this is not this is not the company that I know. No. So he has decided to post on looks like on Facebook to defend the company. And yeah, he just sounds like he is a dictator who's yeah. just can't just through like sheer will is trying to convince people that none none of these problems exist what no what? nothing it's, it's very much a gaslight job like on his own employees because these people <laughs> they're doing the fucking work fool like these aren't <laughs> these are just like lemmings who are like please give us our f-. like if you're working in these different departments like uh francis haugen was they know exactly what's going on because she's saying these people are like in a lot of these other subgroups are getting upset that there isn't action. So he's saying, look, his first part of the letter is him talking about like, 
oh, that was a big boner on Monday, huh? With WhatsApp going down. Uh oh. <laughs> and then he's like, I'm sure many of you have found the recent coverage hard to read because it just doesn't reflect the company we know. And mm. again, he will not reference Francis Haugen or refer to a whistleblower or anything of that nature. Quote, we care deeply about issues like safety, well-being and mental health. It's difficult to see coverage that misrepresents our work and our motives. At the most basic level, I think most of us just don't recognize the false picture of the company that is being painted. Oh, mm. I'm, I'm sorry about that. He goes on to say many of the claims don't make any sense. If we wanted to ignore research, why would we create an industry leading research program to understand these important issues in the first place? If we didn't care about fighting harmful content, then why would we employ so many more people dedicated to this than any other company in our space, even ones larger than us? I'm sorry, who is larger than them I don't in know, right. the social media space? Like, yeah, what, Google? I guess because of ads, maybe, uh -huh. if, that's, if they're looking at an ad business. But even then, I don't, that's a weird claim. Even, you know, even the bigger guys are doing stuff not as good as us. Like, you're the <laughs> fucking giant of the land. I love that he got a brag in there, too. You know, like yeah. whenever someone's writing an apology and they find a way to brag as well, like we have industry leading research. It's like, yeah, just well, yeah, you don't have to put that in there. But it's funny because there's allegations about how research has been wound down. And Francis Haugen was even saying that, like, they're like and Amy Klobuchar, they're both uh, touching on this fact that some of the data is not available to people who are actually trying to research a lot of this shit. So that's not really true, Mark. And also, like, yeah, just having a research body doesn't mean you're doing it to fucking like Exxon was researching global warming. That doesn't they're not having like, why would we have industry leading research? It's because they have to know what the fuck their product does in the real world. And they're just like, OK, fucking don't talk about that shit. Yeah. So nice based product. on like all the reading about in like the internal dynamics of Facebook, they do the research. They hire people like Haugen who do the research and make these recommendations. And it's not usually I don't think they fire them. They just ignore the fuck out of them and promote the mm -hmm. people who come up with ways to, you know, increase engagement. Like it's right. just a, it's a very passive way of just, you know, dealing with a problem by not dealing with it. Basically. Right. Speaking of research body, if I was to describe Mark Zuckerberg's physique, I'd call it a research body. Like that's <laughs> that's how he looks. Yeah. His other defense is also really lame. He says, quote, and if social media were as responsible for polarizing society as some people claim, then why are we seeing polarization increase in the U.S. while it stays flat or declines in many countries with just as heavy use of social media around the world? Huh. Well, maybe because you've been here longest. Yeah, and it's a matter of time because it's not like you haven't seen uh, like other political unrest be explode out of people using Facebook. So I don't exactly know what his claim is because he's clearly avoiding things like ethnic cleansing that would be organized via Facebook because that's not polarizing. It's just another very selective bit of data he's using to defend himself when I think it's just clear that he's desperate and this is all looks just fucking terrible. Yeah. And I like I do think that is probably an effective line of argumentation because it's true that like social media isn't the only reason that polarization is increasing in the U.S. Mm -hmm. But it, I don't know. It's just very it is an ingredient. And also, like you said, there have been plenty of incidents where it <laughs> escalated wildly and incredibly dangerously in other in other countries so. yeah exactly and i you know people are like do you have you looked in what's going on in you know myanmar and like any, any okay whatever we'll just we'll just look uh away from the the glaring lights and then this other one is just fantastic the argument that we deliberately push content that makes people angry for profit is deeply illogical we mm. make money from ads and advertisers consistently tell us they don't want their ads next to harmful or angry content. And I don't know any tech company that sets out to build products that make people angry or depressed. The moral business and product incentives all point in the opposite direction. Right. OK, that may be, but I'm not sure. Again, this is another thing where, of course, advertisers aren't like, yeah, man, put my shit next to like the most violent fucking video. 
the whole thing is you go to Facebook because of clicks. Any advertiser online goes to a media property for clicks or engagement. And like, just as Francis Haugen said, more engagement is the thing that you can hold up in front of people who are trying to buy ads and they go, oh, fuck, yeah. So it's popping over there. That's where I'm trying to put my advertiser where there's a lot of activity. So even this one, it's just so deeply illogical that this would. Well, how could that occur? Yeah, like, it's when, easy to recategorize like things like that and be like, well, that's not designed to make people angry. They're interested in it for this other reason. Like that's it's just such a vague explanation for like that allows them to just sort of recategorize things and let themselves off the hook. Yeah. It's, it's also a very inhuman response to a deeply human issue. You know what I mean? Where like these issues that people like the the collateral damage that social media does are mental. It's mental health. It's deeply human issues. And when you respond to it in such an analytical, you know, like computerized way, yeah, like, like it completely. Manhattan. Yeah, it just shows the exact problem. In the yeah, situation right. like, well, no, that the, the money comes in and that business is doing well and we're not actively trying to do. Yeah, maybe not deliberately, but right. It's you're the way things are set up. That's where you're incentivized. So what what are you saying here? But the last paragraph is like sounds like some evil villain that runs like this dystopian society. Oh, wait, <laughs> maybe that is just oh, him. He wait. says, quote, <laughs> when I reflect on our work, I think about the real impact we have on the world. The people who can now stay in touch with their loved ones, create opportunities to support themselves and find community. This is why billions of people love our products. I'm proud of everything we do to keep building the best social products in the world and grateful to all of you for the work you do here every day. There you go. Sure. Okay. Well, you know, I'm I'm really curious to see what his inner thought process is around this because I'm sure that Richard Blumenthal thing where he's like, yeah, Zark 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 Muckerberg, Mark Zuckerberg needs to get in here and explain a lot of these things out loud and not just be like, uh, Senator, that's highly illogical um to say that. So I, I don't know what that would look like, but yeah, it's it's hard. To, I don't know how you dance around really direct questions, given Francis Haugen's testimony. And to just equate the fact that they get money for ads and advertisers like keep paying with there not being a social problem is just so like, you know, it's it's just the most base level like market make good. Everything mm -hmm. good. Right. Gets market bucks. And the thing that they, the reason that they are so dominant in advertising is the level of data that they've collected about anyone. It has nothing to do with like why people are on the site in the first place. Like they have unprecedented amounts of information and like these psychological profiles of people that are, you know, things that if you had told an advertiser about it 20 years ago, they would have fucking shot in their pants like it's the best thing that they could possibly imagine right and yeah the fact the fact that people are willing to pay for that has nothing to do with like the the idea that you're doing it for the right reason or using it in, in a non-evil way sorry for the shot in the pants thing i was just picturing uh, <laughs> don draper just hearing about facebook and you know <laughs> What? Oh my God! Yeah, truly a shot in the pants. Let's talk about um, January sixth commission or the congressional January sixth committee because there are some pretty key players: Dan Scavino, Mark Meadows, Steve Bannon, Cash Patel, who are all Trumpers that have been subpoenaed to testify in front of the congressional January sixth committee, and they they're just like kind of ignoring it. Yeah. They're just like, well, uh, they know. say of like everyone except Dan Scavino, they think has been served. But apparently Dan Scavino is just acting like a regular old Prince Andrew <laughs> in his attempts to duck process servers and just going to like a hidey hole to be like, I, I don't know anything about him. So you have to serve someone else. But despite all of that happening, it looks like even if they're served, their game plan is just to fucking ignore the subpoenas because Trump told them to. And, this, you know, the same thing, blah, 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 executive privilege. Do they have a plan? There's like in this Guardian article, people are like, doesn't it really seem like there's a plan here more so that 
they would probably just try and run out the fucking clock and hope the Republicans take the House back by the midterms. And then what January 6th commission are we talking about? Yeah. So bit of a cynical play from them, but I expect nothing less from people who are, you know, hell bent on just, you know, overturning an election. But yeah, you know, people in the committee, though, have said from the beginning, like, this isn't going to be the same as like when Trump was in the White House, how we're going to handle executive privilege. Sure, Mark Meadows and Scavino, they definitely worked in the West Wing. So there is an element there of executive privilege. But in, in terms of like using that to like not comply with the subpoena there, they have been saying, like, we, we will issue criminal referrals. Like if we if if we're being ignored, I hope that's what happens. Part of me just looking at the data set of, of the American legal system and how powerful white men are able to get away with anything. I'm a little bit worried uh, that that might not happen. But it also seems like, you know, many of the people on the committee are really interested in at least trying to find some semblance of accountability. But it's like one of those things where you just kind of like, well, wait and see, I guess. Yes. Speaking of powerful white men, I had a very scary situation recently where I saw Steve Bannon wearing the same coat that I own. And it was absolutely horrifying where I was really, really excited about my new coat and then saw Steve Bannon wearing it was a barber coat wearing the same brand. I'm like, well, I don't know what the fuck to know what I think about anything anymore to be true. I don't know. I guess if I have the same fashion sense as that pig, I should probably just let someone else shop for me. (laughs) Oh, man. It's a cool coat. You are wearing cotton. three uh, three collared shirts right now on top I of am each on other. Top of each so. other. The, only yeah. the middle collar is popped. The others <laughs> are, are appropriately uh, pressed down. Yeah, yeah, he really loves that coat, huh? It's disgusting. Yeah. I feel like he has uh, on like five J. Crew outfits at any given time, just like uh, on top of each other. Yeah. So I guess yeah. it maybe looks more ballin' if you wear like multiple pieces of clothing you're like just so you know like you may you may have three hundred dollars worth of clothing on but i have seven thousand dollars worth of clothing (laughs) because i'm wearing 14 shirts and 13 pairs of pants yeah so he's actually a very slender man we just couldn't tell because of he's in great shape you never know yeah he's been wearing the whole time just big Uh, fear of his losing his clothes it's his big greatest fear (laughs) (laughs) that in a brown brown america His greatest fears are doing the right thing is number one yeah. <laughs> and then losing his and losing all my clothes. <laughs> Just a serious interview. And like, yeah. I mean, it's it's I know it may sound weird, but. If you've ever lost all your clothes, it's it's a frightening prospect. And I just <laughs> want to allow myself. I just want to allow that to happen to me. Steve, yeah. what happened? <laughs> what? How did you lose your clothes? I went to a wedding. Look, they lost my baggage. I had to wear a, a suit that was a little too baggy for me. And it was oh just ever since then, I vowed to always wear all my clothes. People kept t- talking about the emperor has new cl- the emperor's new clothes around like around the Trump administration. He finally mm-hmm. read it and was like, oh, no, went the opposite direction. Yeah. Just in case some of these are invisible, I want to guarantee no one sees me naked. Yeah. <laughs> so I put 14 shirts. <laughs> All right. Let's take a, another quick break and we will be right back to talk Havana syndrome. Havana, good time. And we're back. And so BuzzFeed released a declassified scientific review of the attacks that uh, have been described as Havana syndrome, that the attacks are being quotes because they found what we had suspected, what a lot of people have talked about, that the noises that they were associating with the attacks that first happened in Havana were crickets. And it was a declassified like State Department study. So it's not this isn't like an outside researcher. This is like what they have learned themselves. Now, around this time, the Biden administration had started referring to Havana syndrome as unexplained health incidents, which kind of suggested they were backing off of the idea that they were deliberate attacks from, you know, adversaries. But because that became a story. They now have issued a new report that seemed to back in 
like jump back into the this is an attack camp mm-hmm. because the people who you know are suffering the symptoms believe that they were attacked and that they're very sensitive understandably about because people. we're in their country attacking them right exactly <laughs> so you very much would be God on pins and needles the fuck oh okay i'm just i'm just a nurse that's all yeah. i am not a cia op but yeah the this miami herald piece about like the new this new direction quotes a and the this is a trend senior administration official but no name we need to believe our personnel who are coming forward people are facing real symptoms we are very conscious that People are experiencing something very real, and it's having a real negative effect on their health. And we're seeing better health outcomes the sooner we can respond to that. So it's like they're trying to treat it as though it's a real thing because it is, as we've talked about, functional disorders. Like they're the real thing that these people are experiencing real symptoms. They're not just making them up, but that it is probably a neurological and, you know, a stress-based thing. And that is the thing that. Uh, explanation is very offensive to anybody who is suffering from this. Mm. And so there's this new article from Jacobin that just kind of puts this in the context of a bunch of different stories over the course of like the last 25 years that have been kind of adopted and just repeated by the mainstream media because they are you know, they go in the direction of, like, helping America maintain an aggressive foreign policy. So they start with the Havana Syndrome reporting and just, like, all the different headlines that flatly state that Cuba attacked U.S. diplomats, which, you know, are generally CIA agents, and, you know, pointing out that anytime somebody is quoted, it's always they're always quoted on background or they're quoted as like a unidentified administration official and they point out like this is this happened immediately after trump indicated that they were going his administration was going to go like hard in the opposite direction of the obama administration start being like really hostile towards cuba and then this event happened and they seized on it and started ramping up their negative foreign policy but they kind of put it in the context of, you know, the New York Times, all these mainstream media outlets trusting military officials on things like Russiagate, which, in addition to being hostile towards Trump, was also allowed the military to make Russia seem more dangerous. And, you know, with a lot of the Iran reporting towards the end of the Trump administration, because they were trying to justify a when they're holding up shards war. of things, you're like, this says Iran on it. I don't know if what you want to do with that. Maybe do a war. I don't I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, 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 can, I can cook You're up called, some other evidence. Yeah. There's no, there's, we don't have a pattern of doing that at all in this country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it just reminds me of like the, you know, we talk about the news relying on police sources and especially like for the local news and like, you know, the guys with guns are the sources that they need to satisfy like audience bloodlust and like their willingness to chase that bloodlust makes it so that we live in a world that we think is more dangerous and keeps people tuning in and it also just creates this sort of feedback loop where you know the version of like the world that exists in the minds of the military and the police gets like filtered back to us over and over again and it's just you know why why is that like after the most catastrophic like mistake in the you know recent history of America going to war in Iraq was like turned out to be based on a complete lie you'd think that the mainstream media would have like altered their approach a little bit and been a little bit more willing to pump the brakes on shit like this but it just seems like that is as currently constituted, like unless something kind of dramatically changes, the mainstream media will let the military feed them, you know, bullshit. Right. So I think that the tolerance for bullshit stories from the Pentagon is higher because they're all they all have a relationship with each other. You know, it's like 
you have a homie who may bend the truth from time to time. You're like, okay, all right, that wasn't the best thing, but we're still good. We're stuck because I know you. And it's the same thing. Like you'll get burned by just straight up misinformation from the Pentagon. And still it's like, no, it's all good. Like, don't worry about it. Like we got to keep this thing going, you know, General Electric and the Pentagon do some good business together. And we're also NBC. So, you know, we'll let's let's you know, we're not going to make it too hot for anybody. Yeah. Can I be honest about this before we move on? Just real quick. I think this Havana syndrome is Jamaican me crazy. (laughs) Are you are you got to go Havana tough time out? (laughs) I'm having a tough time (laughs) with this Havana syndrome. I swear to God. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I'm being serious. I know it's, it's I know that's the problem. As we that's speak. the problem. <laughs> oh man, yeah. I mean, so many reporters like get into the game because they would like want to be war correspondents. Like they have that like kind of you know they grew up on the idea of like going to Vietnam and being a reporter on that, or you know, and it just. You know, as Blake, I think you were suggesting is making them crazy. It is. And that's exactly not even suggesting just what I was pointedly saying. I think there's no room for interpretation there. Yeah. In college, I had a uh, I took a class called war reporting Mm. and my professor was a former like embedded journalist and he would never he would always just show us movies and we would never we were like <laughs> it's like why like you have the most interesting story in the world why wouldn't you just teach us and then one day there was this girl in class who, like who just well, maybe like laid in a little too hard being like all you do is show us movies like why don't you actually instruct us and tell us what it was like being there and he went on why? a 45 minute story of one of the most emotionally traumatizing things I've ever heard in my entire life. The one time he ever told a story about his time in war, about how his guide was like murdered right in front of him. And then the whole class was like completely silent. And he goes, yeah, all right, I think we're done for the day. And then he and we're like, never asked him to talk about it again. We just watch movies for the rest of the semester because it was that it's like, yeah, that's why he doesn't talk about it. You know what I mean? Anyway, just random side note. But seriously, that that made me sane. (laughs) <laughs> the, the joke doesn't work when you change it. That just made uh, me sane. <laughs> you can workshop that one. Yeah. yeah. We'll, no, we'll I think work on it, the way and it is. come back, uh, report back to Zeke. No, that's the final What form. we came up with. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that's fine. I but, think it'll stand. Just maybe just like, give it a few years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll just. Yeah, <laughs> we'll come back. Pitchfork will do a. They'll, they'll, they'll rescore that joke. <laughs> they'll rescore that joke. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about the war on Christmas. Finally. God. That the was war. the war that he was embedded in, by the way. I forgot <laughs> to tell you. He was embedded in the war on Christmas. <laughs> the war on Christmas. Uh. It's, uh, it's begun. Fauci said in an interview that it's just too soon to tell whether holiday gatherings will need to be restricted due to the pandemic for a second year in a row, which is There a... he goes. Sound <laughs> the alarms as he said that. It doesn't really say anything It's like a non-answer that doesn't really offer any specifics for what kind of restrictions they might put in place. But right wing media, you know, I, I guess the fact that he was willing to answer a question like enraged right wing media, the National Review wrote an article calling him a Grinch. And, you know, the Fox and Friends labeled Fauci a Grinch because they, you know, that was too good not to repurpose. Yeah. <laughs> it's October. It's October. They they're talking Grinch and claimed that he was about to cancel Christmas based on his statement that it's too soon to tell. That it, <laughs> I I it's a seems fully fabricated. But so there are actually this year like legitimate threats to the Christmas traditions that they seem to hold so dear, mm. such as you know supply chain problems that are going to make it so that it's harder to order presents for people or you know the due to uh climate change there are fewer christmas trees available and you know there's a shortage of truck drivers because as their wages have declined over the years there's just been a problem with finding enough people to do that job as the new york times pointed out it takes a peculiar a peculiar form of logic to cut pay steadily and then be shocked that fewer people want to do the job but that's what happened in the uh, truck driving industry and also because of you know slowdowns in manufacturing 
there has been a a slowdown in the production of fake Christmas trees. So these oh, are all things that wrench shit. The real spirit of Christmas. Yeah. And they don't they don't they're not interested in talking about that shit though. Um, I mean, I, I I think for their sake, like the Fox News set, you probably don't want to have all of your un like most of your unvaccinated base <laughs> take airplanes to congregate because that you know, they're already like getting freaked out like, by the demographics of how like the pandemic is affecting things. So what? There's going to be like, nah, man, get together, folks. Don't worry about any kind of spiking cases. Just do your thing, y'all. I, it's, I don't know. This is just, it's watch. It's, it's fun watching them get so outraged. And I mean, so were there things in place that like actually stopped people from congregating or was it just like advice? last year like in it's like guidance said, right yeah, said, yeah hey, don't, fuck, guidance. don't do that uh, i like they i'm so confused what they like at the height of the pandemic they just offered guidance <laughs> they're like okay big brother nice try asshole oh you said it's it's inadvisable to yeah, gather with elderly family when when there aren't vaccines okay yeah okay yeah, I don't know. It's yeah, th th they were just merely guidelines. But I think most people, because they were able to look around in their communities or just the news and be like, OK, so this is real. And there's the potential for untold harm for people that I will I will heed these guidelines. Yeah. I mean, J.M., our writer, uh, J.M. McNabb, was pointing out that like this actually kind of obscures how, you know, focusing on the idea that he merely mentioned that he might at one point consider giving some travel advisories around Christmas. Like, so that caused him to backtrack. And he was, Fauci was like, no, nah, you have misinterpreted me. Uh, I'll be spending Christmas with my family, which is like fucking, right. oh, again, way too soon to tell whether that's a good idea or not. The CDC uploaded their 2021 holiday guidance to their website which was picked up by multiple news outlets. Uh, but then they deleted it because they had actually put up last year's holiday guidance instead of this year's. And they haven't figured out what their guidance is going to be in 2021. What a fucking it's just a position for them to be in where they're like, oh, fuck, don't say it. Don't give them real advice or else they're going to accuse us of stuff. So let's water it the fuck down. Yeah. Because the situation is just so tenuous. My uh, uncle's a big Fox News person, and uh, I gave him, I put, like, he's a bad guy, so I put Cole in his stocking, <laughs> and then he pulled it out, and he was like, this is such a great gift. This is my favorite uh, fuel source, so don't give <laughs> Fox News people Cole in their stockings, because they'll they'll completely misinterpret it as a gift. Did he, did he just take a bite out of it, too? He's like, oh, you don't uh, think yes. I will? You don't think I will? Watch he this, did. Blake. <laughs> he ate it like a jawbreaker. Yeah. <laughs> Over the course of the next three days. <laughs> Jokes Terrible. on you, asshole. Yeah. Oh, my ulcer. Oh, God. Oh, God. Yeah. Not yeah. They have ulcers. <laughs> but, I mean, the big news story of the day is really uh, of yesterday, I guess, that, that the Zodiac Killer has finally been identified, according to TMZ and, you know, all the other main news sources, uh, Fox News. <laughs> so a, a group of researchers ID'd someone named Gary Francis Post, who died in 2018 as the Zodiac Killer. The degree to which this got picked up would have suggested it was like a law enforcement agency that had like done some some sort of DNA linkage. Um, but they so they're made. This group is made up of former investigators and journalists. So essentially volunteers acting in no official capacity. They, they're called the case breakers. Right. They're called the case breakers. And mm -hmm. they one of their like key theories is that Post also killed Sherry Jo Bates in 1966, whose death was followed by a Zodiac like letter. And this is strange because the the police were sent a Zodiac like letter. So it's not like the, nobody <laughs> entertained this idea that it was that was from the Zodiac killer and her murder was part of the Zodiac killings, but they looked into it and the letter was revealed to be a hoax and an actual 
cold case units have already like investigated that that case and concluded that the murder is not connected to the Zodiac case. So they're just like putting out a a theory that most people believe to have been widely disproven and saying, well, here here's your evidence. And then there's also like the evidence that they're pointing to are photos from Post's dark room actually match scars on the police sketch of the Zodiac killer. Which it's just, just lines creases on the forehead. Yeah, it's just creases in a forehead. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. Come on, case breakers. Yeah. Come with some come on, case come with breakers. something heavier than this. They also claim that they deciphered a new code in the Zodiac letters that could only be cracked if you knew if you know Gary's full name, but they're they're not revealing that just yet. They they wanna they're being proprietary they're not, about their nor solution. What are they, the fucking cyber ninjas? My pillow voting audit? Like, what the fuck is it? Oh, we go, we got it. Can't show you. We just can't show nobody right now. It's too explosive. Tom Colbert, who is one of the main case breakers, his former job was working for a hard copy. <laughs> so, I mean, he knows how to do a good tease. Hell yeah. People, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, he was also a story broker, which is somebody who, like, buys up compelling stories and like sells them to people to make movies he sold the story rights for fly away home and the val <laughs> um so so you know like real hardcore grizzled uh crime solving shit yeah gumshoe shit yeah and yeah it just feels weird that this is one that any news outlet even if it's just tdz has like seized on and been like solved I, 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 the reason I just started wheezing and laughing is uh, I'm following along in your document that you guys use. Oh, sorry to show a behind the scenes look at the show. This is all coming uh, from the top of my head, Blake. I, I apologize. You're right. And I it's apologize. All loose scraps I keep by my desk. <laughs> this is, then this is the document that I, the 126 page document that I made uh, for the show. <laughs> and the case breaker team had, which I can't believe I just said without laughing my way through it, but. At Casebreaker team, um, I'm like, oh, it says eight following two followers on Twitter. You have a screen grab of it. And yeah. I was like, oh, this is probably taken from a few weeks. And now they have 14 followers. So, yeah, yeah we're, in, we're in the same place. Yeah, it's trending. It's trending. Yeah, it's trending. So so basically, they're saying that the the Casebreakers, the, the evidence that they're working with has been debunked. So they're like, this is already built on like a false premise because yeah. you're already using debunked like you're trying to connect dots that really aren't there. Yeah, I mean, unless you like look at look at the those forehead wrinkles, man. I'm just <laughs> saying, like those are pretty. Well, they better come with that info that they say they they're ready to decipher all the letters because we have to know his full name, and only we do. I mean, okay. I how many people did the Zodiac killer kill exactly? Is That's it? information that they have too, pr- uh, proprietary <laughs> as well. Yeah, so you'd have to ask them. They, yeah, they're they're holding back on. Uh, <laughs> they say you'll never believe what we found out about how many people Victims. Zodiac killed. Five claim he wait claimed to have killed thirty seven, mm. five confirmed dead, but possibly twenty to twenty eight. Okay, interesting. Just another example of their work on a famous story where people are you know very horny to identify a historical figure is Colbert got interested in the D.B. Cooper case and that's a bank robber, right? Yeah. So the D.B. Cooper was a bank robber who hijacked a plane and then jumped out of said plane after like, you know, making everybody turn around, I guess, Uh, (laughs) or go, go into the cockpit. Anyways, it's, it's a, People think that he probably didn't survive jumping out of the plane, but, you know, it's very mysterious. They never found the body. And he thought he had figured out that it was this guy, Robert Rackstraw. And so Colbert or Colbert approached Rackstraw, offered him $20,000 to participate. And when he refused, Colbert threatened to have him hounded forever. And then he started catfishing Rackstraw, (laughs) who then in turn reverse catfished colbert and yeah it just seems like real real top level you know mature mature and you know top level investigative shit going on right someone who's clearly not just trying to get the thing over the line by any means necessary (laughs) true dedication to the truth unflinching 
you know, rather right. than being like, oh, fuck your life up if you don't admit your DB Cooper so I can sell the <laughs> rights to this. Yeah. So mm. that's that's the story of how the Zodiac Killer was saw, was identified. Well, I'm glad to know that all the people who are talking about it, now I can finally, um, actually, every fucking tweet I see now. Yeah. And, you know, JM, who is clearly uh, into this, into the story of the Zodiac Killer, is saying, like, there's, they could be right about who it is, but publishing articles, like, definitively claiming the Zodiac case has come to an end based on these people's work, it seems a little premature. Right. Like I've read the sto- the headlines, then like I I looked at the article and they were talking about these case breakers, like they were <laughs> a known quantity that like I should be familiar with, and the fact that they have fourteen followers, fifteen now that I'm following them is uh, <laughs> wild. They do have their own logo, which is not nothing, right? Yeah, it's, you know, it's kind of huge. Yeah, it looks like Charles Barkley's like signature shoe logo, <laughs> right? <laughs> Blake at 34 in there. Yes. As always, such a pleasure having you. Where can people find you and follow you? The pleasure is all mine and I can share it with you if you'd like, but I uh yeah, I love being here. I always love doing this. I'm a huge fan of you guys. Um you can find me at Blake Wexler on everything. Every Wednesday in Philadelphia I do a show at St. Stephen's Green. Uh, if you're in Philly. And then I have an exclusive for you guys. I have not announced oh. this anywhere, but wet exclusive. Squ- 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 yep. um, we have on November 18th in Charleston, I'm uh, recording my first one hour special. So uh, at Theater 99, one hour stand up special November 18th at Ooh. 8 p.m. So, uh, yeah, oh, very have not didn't even announce it on my own goddamn podcast. Blake's takes for God's sake. So, yeah. But anyway, that's uh, that's coming in November, November 18th. Nice. All right. Coming Thank to you. South CAC. Mm. And uh, is there a tweet or some of the work of social media you've been enjoying? Yeah, there's a tweet from at uh, Casebreaker Team. And it's <laughs> no, um, the, tweet is, <laughs> the tweet is from uh, Laurie Kilmartin at any Laurie 16. And um, she tweeted a picture of uh, Kieran Culkin's character and Jerry from Secession mm-hmm. holding one another. And Laurie just wrote, uh, moving toward this stage of my life. <laughs> it, was, it was very, very fun. But yeah, she's a incredible comedian writer. Jerry, so. no. <laughs> Miles, where can people find you? What is a tweet you've been enjoying? Twitter, Instagram, at Miles of Gray. Also the other show, 420 Day Fiance. Check us out at twitch.tv slash 420 Day Fiance 420 with Sophie Alexandra talking about 90 Day some tweets that I like. Wow. Let's see. First one is from at 1-800-Viagra. You're in his DMs? Good for you, girl. He's easy. Go get him. (laughs) 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 Love that spin on it. Uh, Another one is from at Browtweeten, B-R-O-W-T-W-E-A-T-E-N, tweeting, caterpillar, walks, snake. Okay, what? Caterpillar, (laughs) grows wings, snake. Okay, what? (laughs) (laughs) Stupid. And then one more from a listener, DJ Baby Bok Choy at CR underscore B-O-R-O-N tweeted, not Miles and Jack roasting me alive because showed all your Starbucks collector's mugs like just sitting on this shelf. No shade. I love the Star Wars based ones. But yeah, it's a real movement. The Starbucks collector game. They mm-hmm. kept going and going. I was yeah. I was blown away. Uh, I'm I fully turned around on uh, on this, and I'm now in completely supportive of anybody's uh, decision to collect those cups. There, just don't awesome. pay resell. Just don't pay yes. resell. You can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien. Uh, a couple tweets I've been enjoying. Jamie Loftus at Jamie Loftus Help tweeted. I'm in the phase of getting my shit together where I'm adding a second ingredient to pasta is a very specific uh, phase we've all been to. Uh, and Blank Pesh tweeted, why does spell check know McConaughey, but not fuck? And <laughs> I have never spelled Matthew McConaughey's last name correctly. No. Th- it's... Uh, now Gahey is how yeah. I... Have, yeah. Now Gee. The fuck out of here with that. Yeah. Hey, and if you want to add fuck, just put it in your one of your contacts. That oh. Way it knows. Yeah. Interesting. If you want fuck, fuck or fucking all that stuff, yeah. <laughs> Rather than duck or ducking. There you go. Quick tip for the people who constantly curse and then get mad at the autocorrect because <laughs> it's like, it's like duck, duck. Uh, autocorrect, duck. Uh. 
and then all caps fuck <laughs> you, you if that's prude. been you yeah get <laughs> just added to your contact prude. yeah fuck fuck fucking all right well you can find us on twitter at daily zeitgeist we're at the daily zeitgeist on instagram we have a facebook fan page and a website daily zeitgeist.com where we post our episodes and our footnotes Footnote. where we link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode as well as a song that we think you might song? enjoy hey, there <laughs> song? miles what song are we sending people to go check out this is a track called the story of a girl Huh? I was saying, this is the story of a girl. Oh, around the whole world. Uh, no, this is the story of a song called Runway Talk, and it's by Khalil Blue featuring Mavi Dog. It's just a dope, you know, just rap from from the 21st century. Right. You know, I'm 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 coming out of my golden era hip hop cave more and more, and just really ingesting as much like new rap as possible. And I just like again, just like yesterday's track, Armor. I really like this, the production on this, and I just like the flow. I like the swag. I just like it all. So, and I think you will too if you like some little, you know, some some new, some uh, genre breaking hip hop. So this is Runway Talk by Khalil Blue. All right. Well, the Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That is going to do it for us this morning, but we are back this afternoon to tell you what is trending, and we'll talk to you all then. Bye. Bye.